Good morning, everyone. He is risen. For those of you joining us this Lenten season for the first time, I'm Pastor Jason Nashimoto, and I want to welcome you to our Sunday service here at Evergreen Baptist Church of Los Angeles. Today is Easter Sunday. It's the day Christians remember and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. Now, this is obviously our second Easter in pandemic. And if you think about last year, we were all new to this way of life, working and going to school for the first time on Zoom, sewing our first face masks, trying to figure out how, how far six feet was from the next person, and maybe making your first pandemic homemade bread loaf. But for all of us, to varying degrees, it has been a tough 12 months full of loss. And when you experience that much loss over an extended amount of time, I think we tend to find ourselves clinging on to things that give us a sense of control and familiarity. And who wouldn't want that after what seems like 12 months of chaos and calamity? After enduring so much loss, our reaction is it's just to try to hoard as much as what we already have as possible to keep us safe, to keep us secure. It's, it's why so many of us stocked up on toilet paper and Clorox wipes over the past year. But you see, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, actually moves us in another direction. And instead of clinging, it asks us to release that which is most important to us. And not in a way where we toss everything out, but where we entrust these things into God's hands. Now, to capture this, we centered our Lenten journey in Jesus' words from the Gospel of Matthew, where he says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is one of the great paradoxes of the Gospel, and in these words, there is a caution to those who might believe that their life is ultimately in their hands. But there's also a promise, a promise to those who surrender to Jesus. You see, surrendering allows us to discover a whole new life, a whole new beginning in Christ. And after a year like we've had, this verse is speaking to me in a whole new way because considering the state of things right now, a fresh start just sounds really good. Now this morning, I want us to look at this movement that we find in these words of Matthew uh, from Jesus from losing your life to finding it anew, from releasing it to receiving it. And to do so, let's look at a story from John chapter 20, where we find ourselves at the tomb on that first Easter morning. Now, Mary Magdalene, one of the disciples, goes to this tomb and, and she sees that the stone that was in front of it, in front of the entrance, has been removed. She gets scared and she immediately goes to get Simon Peter and another disciple who come to confirm that the body of Jesus is indeed gone. The death shrouds are still lying there neatly in place. Now the men, they go back home, but Mary, Mary stays. She's weeping at the entrance of the tomb. And when she finally is able to peer inside, she notices there are two angels dressed in white standing where the body should have been. She then turns around and Jesus himself is standing in front of, their, in front of her. But none of this even phases her. And I think it's because she's so distraught with grief, so much so that she doesn't even realize the miracle that she's standing right in the middle of. 
Now you have to understand what I, I think is just a flood of emotions that Mary must have been feeling. You see, Mary Magdalene, along with some other women, were the only disciples that witnessed the crucifixion on that Friday before. And what an enormously traumatic event to witness, the brutal execution of your teacher and friend. She watched as his body was tortured and mistreated, as they nailed him to the cross naked and exposed, and as he took his final painful breaths. Roman crucifixion, you see, was a horrible and excruciating way to die. And Mary watched all of this happen to someone she cared about. So here she is, three days later at his tomb, and she finds that the body is missing. As if he wasn't violated enough, now she wonders if someone has come in and taken him. In fact, she, she thinks Jesus is the gardener, which actually is a good assumption because he's laid in this garden tomb. But as she's crying, she asks him, you can almost hear the emotion and the feeling in her. Please, sir, please, if you know where he is, tell me and I'll go get him. She's come to take care of the body and that's what she wants to do. She's so upset, though, that she doesn't realize that it's Jesus standing in front of her. And it isn't until she calls Mary by name that she is suddenly awakened to the fact of who he is. Teacher, she cries when she realizes this, and she immediately grabs a hold of him. And then Jesus gives this odd response. Don't hold on to me, he says. In the words of our Lenten journey this year, he says to her, Mary, you have to let me go. Release me. Now, that doesn't sound like the most emotionally sensitive thing to say, especially for Mary and how she's feeling. I mean, she's grieving. Of course she wants to cling to him. She already lost him once, and now he's back. I mean, what would you do if someone you lost came back to life? You'd cling to them, and you'd never let go. I mean, it reminds me, we're all clinging to something right now, aren't we? But at that moment, Mary is clinging to Jesus. And there's something, just something about the way that she's clinging to him that Jesus feels the need to tell her, Mary, you have to let me go. And it's like Jesus is calling Mary to just, you still need to release everything. To get to the point where Mary is completely emptied, even of what she's hoping Jesus will do now that he's back. Because it's in the releasing of everything that she might finally be able to grasp the enormous miracle that God is doing. And this point of emptying, being completely surrendered, that's where we find the disciples in the very next passage. Mary goes and tells her friends what she's experienced. And that night she rejoins the rest of the group and they're all hiding out in this room and they've locked the door because they're scared that the Jewish leadership might come after them too. And they're at this point where they have nothing. After Jesus is gone, they don't feel safe. After what happened to him, they don't have a leader. They, they don't have a future or a path forward from here. They don't know who they are. They've released everything, been forced to surrender everything. They're hiding. But that's the moment when Jesus comes. 
he miraculously enters the room and stands among them, shows them his hands inside. The disciples are ecstatic when they realize who this is. Jesus then says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then, and then, he breathes on them. And he says, receive. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now this part of the story has to be a callback to God's act of creation in Genesis chapter 2 where God forms the first human being out of the dust of the ground and breathes into his nostrils or into its nostrils the breath of life. So when we see Jesus here breathing on the disciples, we're supposed to make that connection back to that first creation story. You see, because what's happening now, this is a new act of creation, creation happening in this locked room. And these are the first people in God's new humanity. And what Jesus gives them is remarkable. He breathes on them the same spirit that resurrected him from the grave. In fact, the word for spirit, both in Greek and Hebrew, means breath. And so we could say that what Jesus was doing here was giving these disciples a resurrection breath, gifting them with the spirit of the resurrected Christ, So the power that raised Jesus from the dead is actually breathed into them. And they are invited to hold it and to receive it, giving them a new identity, a new calling, a new strength, a new hope for the future. And I believe that this is what Jesus wants to give and breathe into you today. If you turn on the news this week, the big story is the trial of Officer Chauvin, in in George Floyd's death. It kind of reminds me of the OJ trial years ago. And as we watch this, we're all being reminded and possibly re-traumatized as we recall the string of police killings within the black community in this past year. This week, if you scroll on social media, there's been another story of an Asian elder getting violently attacked on the street. And you wonder, after so many stories like this, why is this still happening? Why, when is this going to stop? And it just feels like there's no letting up. You know, at this time, in our world, people are still getting infected with COVID. They're still struggling financially. There's still racism and violence happening in our communities. There's still injustice rampant in our society. The loved ones we lost this past year, they're, they're still gone today. Our depression is still with us. For some of us, our cancer has not disappeared. We still have unreconciled family relationships and broken friendships. And there's a lot happening where it just feels like we haven't been able to catch our breath. Now, I used this analogy last week because we were talking about the Boulder shooting that followed the Atlanta shooting so closely. And I've been reflecting on on just this feeling of not being able to catch our breath. Because over the past year, it seems like we've had tragedy after sizable tragedy. And sometimes they come so fast, one right after the other, it feels like we're just letting out sighs, exhaling a lot, but not taking any air in. That's called hyperventilating. There's a lot of obvious suffering and pain in our world right now. But you see, Easter reminds us that amidst all that we're going through, there still is a God who loves us. 
who came to this earth and walked in our shoes and experienced our injustice and felt our pain and understands our struggle. And his resurrection is important because it shows us that there is something still more powerful than all the hurt and all the chaos and all the catastrophe in our world. 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth was raised from the dead. It did happen. And the power of that resurrection, the recreative power that makes all things new, that forgives sins, that heals the sick and hurting, that reconciles relationships, that creates beauty in the center of darkness, that's what Jesus wants to breathe into us so that we might be given new life and that we might give new life to the world around us. So this morning, if you feel like you're out of breath, if you feel exhausted and out of energy, out of tears, out of hope, out of life, you're actually in exactly the right place to receive from Jesus his resurrection breath on this Easter morning.